Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of our Moving Energy Forward series, a series of special edition episodes where we sit down with esteemed professionals from all facets of the energy sector in an effort to gain expert knowledge, share that knowledge with all of you, and to join the important discussion on the future of energy. Thank you to our partner, Bennett Jones, for making this series possible. Today, our series host, Wayne Steffler of Future Energy Oakville, is back once again and is joined by Diego Mandelbaum, Senior Vice President of Development at Creative Energy, and Carl Palowski, Senior Manager of Sustainability at Minto. Creative Energy designs, builds, owns, operates, and maintains district energy systems for the 21st century. They turn ideas into reality by delivering low-carbon district energy systems that create tangible value for partners, buildings, and the community at large. Minto is a fully integrated real estate company offering new homes and condos, rentals, furnished suites, and property and investment management. With almost 70 years in operation, they've built over 100,000 homes across Canada and the southern U.S. Today's discussion will focus on how these two companies are working collaboratively, what it means to approach sustainability holistically, unique challenges for Oakville and the GTA, upcoming projects, resources, and more. Let's get into it. Okay, Carl and Diego, thanks for for being here today. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about um, Creative Energy's work in designing and operating low-carbon district energy systems? And then also talk about how uh, Creative Energy partners with Minto. Sure, happy to. I'm really happy to be here. Creative Energy, we're a, we're a 55-year-old startup. And so we began in Vancouver in 1968. Back then, our founders saw an opportunity to transition downtown Vancouver away from fuel oil and coal, which was how buildings were heated. They purchased the Vancouver Printing Press building, fitted out with large steam boilers that burned natural gas, which back then was the clean fuel of the future. Of course, today we're trying to get off of that. And in 1968, they started serving the first customer by laying steam piping underground. From 68 until 2014, the company grew organically as a single asset, sleepy utility really. And by 2014, our district steam system in Vancouver was serving about 45 million square feet of real estate across 215 buildings. And at that time, the companies changed hands. The company was acquired by Westbank, which is a real estate developer, and by Instar, which is a private equity middle market fund. And the mandate for Creative Energy then became, how do we A, decarbonize downtown Vancouver by driving a giant fuel switch project, which we're very proudly doing today, and that's one of the largest decarbonization projects in Canada. And B, how do we develop new low-carbon district energy across North America? So that was 2014, and if you fast forward to today, we have about 16 new district energy systems. 16. 16, one yeah. six, yeah. between Toronto, Vancouver, Kamloops, Seattle, and a few other places, across a range of different low-carbon technologies. And I could go on and on about them, but some of them include the largest geo-exchange project in Canada at Oak Ridge, uh, our Thompson Rivers University retrofit, where we're helping university get to zero carbon by 2030, in Seattle, we're capturing waste from a hospital, exporting it to serve residential buildings. And then, of course, the great partnership we have with Minto here in Oakville, where we're developing an ambient temperature geothermal community energy system that will then help Minto build five residential condominium towers and heat them virtually without using natural gas. 
Um, and maybe the last thing I'll say, our role is a developer, owner, operator. So we like to design, build, own, and operate the district energy systems to provide really long-term value for decades to come. And so the, the partnership with Minto then is is it primarily with with this uh, the the recent development or is there other elements to it? Yeah, so so right now with with Creative Energy, we're focused on that North Oak community uh, up in the north part of, of Oakville there. And you know, I mean, I've been with Minto for almost ten years now. And when I first started, we were talking about geothermal, geo exchange, and all these technologies. And it was only in 2019 where we actually started to, to work on an, a real project and an agreement. But prior to that, there were numerous case studies, uh, business studies, you know, all, all sorts of analysis. And it just sort of all aligned in this uh, in this North Oak project. Yeah. And it's so where is it? Uh, where is the project now in terms of its uh, state? Is it um, like mostly operational or? So the project um, were completed lateral tie-ins on the first tower. And then the second tower were about 90% complete. I just asked site for, for an update today. So I had right. those numbers. <laughs> um, so yeah, not operational. Um, no one's living there, not occupied yet, but we're, we're on track uh, with, with the construction schedule. So how does Creative Energy's approach to district energy systems set itself apart in the energy landscape? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Wayne. Thanks for asking that. Uh, you know, traditionally, district energy companies have approached this market really from a utility perspective. And utilities are great in some senses that they, they're reliable, they provide long-term operations. But the challenge with utilities is that they're slow and they're not terribly innovative. And so we've tried to take the approach that we want the reliability of a utility, but we want the innovation of a developer. And we lead first and foremost with innovation. So if we look at this North Oak development, we must have gone through about 13 different concepts. And it was actually Minto who challenged us to do things a little bit differently, to press on the sustainability aspect, to find a way to be more economical. And so we will take an unwavering approach to be innovative, and then we'll layer in the commercial model where we'll finance it, we'll bring the investment, we'll operate it. But for us, it all starts about in, with innovation. And we're always trying to solve for the same three problems, just in different ways. And that's reliability, that's affordability, and that's sustainability. Um, it's just how do you maximize all three without trying to have one uh, eat the other one, for lack of a better word. Great. So um, so what would Creative Energy's long-term goals be in, t- in shaping the district energy future for Canada? You mentioned some of the projects. So what would be those long-term goals with that? We want to demonstrate that there's a much better way of doing energy. And... It's interesting because if you look at Copenhagen, you look at some of the things that are happening in Europe, they were forced to innovate long ago because they had an energy crisis. We never really had that here in North America. We've had cheap and ample energy for a long time, but now that we're actually pricing externalities by the carbon tax, and I think society is just realizing that carbon is an issue and climate change is real, everybody's realizing we have to wake up and do things a little bit differently. And we are a private company. We want to make money. That's that's a given. But really beyond that, we want to demonstrate that with district energy, community energy, innovation, and good partnerships, you can actually build a zero-carbon building, zero-carbon communities, and do it affordably. And and we know from Minto's perspective that, that regulations are coming to significantly reduce carbon emissions. So we want to be ahead of that curve, right? We want to be learning today, getting the experience, so that when it becomes required, we're not scrambling to figure it out. Right. Because it's, you know, it, it's a very simple technology that really the, the complex part was was, you know, how do we work out that business model and financial aspect of it? And, and that is something that creative sort of filled that that void. Right. Right. 
if I could go off script just for a moment, but I, <laughs> yeah. I hope this stays in because it's really important. When we first set off on this partnership, and Carl, I don't know if you were at these earlier conversations, there were no regulations in Oakville. There is no Toronto Green Standard like Toronto has. There is no rezoning bylaw like Vancouver has. But Minto was the one who said, look, let's benchmark something. And first, Minto said, let's mi mimic tier two of the Toronto Green Standard. And we spent a year figuring that out. And we did that. It all worked. Minto came back, said, no, we want to go further. We really want to make this sustainable. Find a way to get this to be close to zero carbon mm -hmm. or else this doesn't make sense for us. And we're grateful because they challenged us. But there are very few developers who will voluntarily do that. And Minto did it because I think it's what they knew was right. So I, I think Minto certainly commend you guys for what you've done there. And you helped us, let's say, challenge us a bit more. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess, Carl, you, it's fair to say then that, that sustainability is a really a key goal for Minto in, in any of the projects trying to stay ahead of. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, it's been part of our brand for more than 60 years since the beginning, right? When we, when we started in Ottawa, you know, they innovated around the lumber and framing process of the homes, right? Uh, how to be more efficient with those materials and that was obviously a long time ago. So we've evolved that thinking. Um, and in the last number of years, you know, really we, along with a lot of the industry has shifted from focusing primarily on just the environmental components, you know, use less energy, use less water to a more holistic approach on sustainability, integrating the, the ESG component, um, looking at the, the people, uh, the communities that we're designing for, for long-term livability. Um, and then obviously along with that, reducing carbon emissions. Yeah, so, um, so in terms of the district energy solution, um, like people probably familiar with various um, types of technologies like geothermal and solar and that type of thing. Um, how do you view the, the, the kind of those types of solutions? It, is it sort of based on the project or do you have kind of a, a mixture of things that you use when you, you develop your system? Yeah, and that's, that's a great question, Wayne. I think it's actually a, a bit of a confusing factor in the industry because people will conflate, well, it's geothermal district energy or solar yeah. district energy. And district energy itself is actually not a technology. It's a platform. It's simply right. the approach of centralizing thermal generation. And that platform then unlocks the ability to tap onto multiple technologies, be it geothermal, be it solar, ocean exchange, you name it. And so our approach, when we look at a new project or a new partnership or decarbonizing an existing utility like in downtown Vancouver, is to figure out what makes the best techno-economic sense. So we, we're agnostic to technology. Uh, we have a commitment to low carbon, so we're not going to be building coal, coal plants or natural gas right. plants. But it's to figure out left, right, up and down, how do you put together the kit of parts, the right piece of technology, the right distribution approach, the right financing approach, so that we can figure out the most economical way to get to zero carbon or close to, right. and also serve the other elements that are always important, such as resiliency and reliability. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we talked a little bit of what well, we've been talking about Oakville projects. Um, is there any kind of insights um, you could share on that project or upcoming projects um, that, that all aim to deliver that low, low carbon district energy solution? And, and then also any um, unique challenges for Oakville or the GTA that, you think people might want to be aware of? Carl, do you want to take this question? Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I think, 
you know, we, we obviously haven't operationalized this project yet. So there's still, still a ways to go there, but at the end of the day, we're planning for five towers, right? So that's, yeah. that's a lot more development that needs to happen there that will incorporate this, this district system. Um, and as we're going through this process, you know, we're, we're learning a lot, but we're not finding anything that's like, oh no, this was a bad idea, right? So now we're rolling this out um, to many other projects in the GTA and beyond. Um, maybe not so much a district scale system if it's a single point tower, but but the geo exchange concept and, and reducing those carbon emissions by, you know, 70, 80%, right? So we do have a number of other projects uh, can't really announce exactly which ones yet, but we have at least five or six where we are going down that path with with GeoExchange currently. Yeah, so it, it's uh, the, the district energy um, is it generally works when it's multiple larger buildings. That's when you start to get a, an economy of scale from centralizing. Exactly, and that's yeah. why North Oak made sense for us, right? We knew we had this master plan community, um, so it you know we we had the scale where it made sense. And I'll, I'll just add on to that last point, Wayne. For us, we need thoughtful planning. That really drives your business or density. And so North Oak made a lot of sense because Mintel had planned a five-tower community. Most of our projects, I would say, are five to 30-tower master plan developments or retrofitting an existing campus. District energy is incredibly difficult when developments happen ad hoc without a lot of planning. So what I would say for Oakville, we would love to do more business here. A very, very great community. But it, things have to be carefully planned, and then that lot allows our model to work. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, we, we tend to focus elsewhere. Yeah. And so there, there is that real need to do that kind of business case. And uh, generally, it's the larger scale um, sites that you'd be looking at that w- would uh, make make the, the good business case. Pre- precisely right. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes some of the, the missteps that happen in district energy, folks will look at uh, 10 years from now, there's 20 buildings there. District energy should make sense. But the trick, the real art, is how do you de-risk this as you're making investments in the ground? And so if there's 10 different buildings with 10 different developers, that is a very risky undertaking because right. if a few of them don't come forward, all of a sudden the economics may fall apart. So that's where policy regulation or sometimes city uh, ownership can help de-risk district energy systems, and we've seen every single ownership and policy regime under the sun across North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that there's a right solution yet, but I can tell you in Vancouver, we're fully regulated as a utility. Out here, it's a private utility. They both have hair. Um, yeah. But it's how do you de-risk these things as you're looking mm-hmm. at a 10 or 15-year build-out? Yeah, I know in, in Oakville, we've talked about um, integrated energy master plans for certain districts. So I guess you would say in those plans, there should be something that explicitly states, uh, you know, the use of district energy um, so that there, there's, you know, if it's not fully mandated, there's a real firm direction to say, yeah, this is how we expect these, these communities to develop. Yes, but what I would push back on respectfully is if that's one developer and they're looking at it, that's that's very easy. But if it's a number of different developers, putting that in a master plan, is helpful people will look at it but it doesn't solve the underlying question how do you actually get the infrastructure on the ground mm-hmm. while de-risking it and right. that's where the city may have to take a more active role they really want to see district energy or thermal networks being developed because you need that the, the optimal way is to have the infrastructure in the ground first is that well no, it'll come walk in step with yeah. the development but 
if you don't have surety or security that the that the next one's going to right. okay. it is yeah. incredibly difficult to underwrite these yeah yeah and from right. the from the developer perspective there's a there's some work out uh, in the east end east of toronto and curtis around a district energy system and from from our perspective as a developer it's who's going to move first right if we go first are we now having stranded assets or yeah. capital that's sitting there um if others don't follow mm-hmm. right so that's that's really what i think what what Precisely. diego's getting at yeah so, so that's where the uh, the municipalities can play a role in, in de-risking some of these projects for the developers, right? Okay, great. So, so what do you see as the the future outlook for District Energy? If you look out into the future, <laughs> uh, you know, people always ask me this question: What's the next silver bullet? And they expect something about hydrogen or nuclear, this or some something fancy that. The simplest answer that I've had for the last 10 years on this question is that heat pumps are changing the way we do energy. Yeah. And district energy fundamentally is there to unlock the use of heat pumps today. Um, and what I mean by that, heat pumps simply move low-grade heat to a high-grade area. And district energy allows different sources and sinks of heat to be mixed and matched together so that you can heat a building using waste heat from a sewer line or heat a building using waste heat from a data center. Mm -hmm. And the role of district energy is simply connecting that. So we have the joke at Creative Energy that we do two types of projects, heat pump projects or heat pump projects. (laughs) (laughs) But but ultimately, like the thing that I really like about district energy, it's, it's really backed in that notion of energy efficiency. Like don't lose potential energy just would go up into the atmosphere, actually harness it and, and use it more efficiently. A hundred percent. I guarantee you in the middle of winter, if you go to any shopping mall, you will see that they have a plume from a yeah. boiler while at the same time have a cooling tower. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All district energy does is connect those two things so that you recycle energy. It yeah. does it at the block scale, city scale, yeah. more than just a single building. Yeah, oh, that's a great example. Uh, so, Carl, what, what's changed in the way Minto develops communities today, let's say, compared to a decade ago from a sustainability perspective? Yeah, I think I, I alluded to it a little bit earlier where, where it's that shift from just looking at, okay, let's use less water, let's use less electricity, um, to taking a more holistic approach of, of, okay, we also have to think about comfort and climate resiliency and diversity and inclusion and materials and embodied carbon, operational carbon. Like there's all yeah. these things, right, that are uh, that as a whole make up so much more than just sustainability or, or environment, right? Um, so I think that's been the, the biggest shift for us. And then also making sure that when we're thinking about things like geo exchange or district energy, we're doing it early enough. Right. And we're integrating throughout the business, throughout all departments and, and teams so that we have everyone there from the start. Right. If, if it's sort of an afterthought, um, one, it probably won't happen. And two, if it does, it's probably not going to be as effective as possible. Right. So that's really been a, a fundamental shift in, in how we approach renewable energy projects or sustainability in general, I would say. Mm-hmm. So very holistically. Yeah. 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 Great. Sort of shows you why we love Minto as a partner yeah. because they think that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's excellent. Um, so we talked about um, the, uh, the the Trafalgar um, Wheat Boom project um, a lot. Is there any other upcoming projects or initiatives that you think our listeners might be interested in? You mentioned a few at the beginning, but anything else you, you can think of? Sure. So for Creative Energy, the the only thing we're looking at in Oakville today is this North Oak District Energy System. 
But in the GTA, we just commissioned Mervish Village, which was our first district energy system outside of British Columbia. Okay. And so that's serving about a million square feet of rental housing and affordable housing with a microgrid and a district system. We are moving forward with a district energy project in partnership with TAS and Liberty Village, which will be very similar to North Oak using distributed geofields that are interconnected. Uh, and we're also looking at a very exciting project in Whitby. I can't quite disclose the, the partner or the site, right. but there we're actually tapping into the region of Durham's sewer line, extracting heat or rejecting heat to that sewer, and then using that to heat or cool about two or three million square feet of, of residential houses. Wow. Uh, or sorry, high rises. Right. Uh, so that's a very exciting for, one for us, and I yeah. hope to announce that very shortly. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that one. Um, so, uh, so to both of you, can you recommend any uh, resources or tips for users who, who want to learn more about district energy? Where, where would you advise people to, to go? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I'm sure Carl has different ones. There, there's a bunch of resources, but the reality is if you are a developer, a building owner, an institution, you re really want to look at district energy, go talk to a district energy solutions provider. Uh, and I don't mean a consultant. They're great, but they, they have limited scope. Go talk to somebody like Creative Energy or some of our competition, which yep. I won't name here, but there are some, um, because they can give you a real litmus test of how it works, where it works, and when to talk to them. So go find somebody who's qualified. And I would, I mean, I would suggest the same, right? Like we started discussions six, seven years ago, right? Since 2019 or earlier. So just start the discussions because there's going to be all kinds of things that maybe you don't know, you don't know. And, and they come up through the process. And uh, if you start early, early enough, like I was saying before, those will come out and, and it'll, it'll eliminate a lot of the assumptions or uncertainties around it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like I said, in the way I think of district energy, it's, it's a bit of that ultimate energy efficiency approach, like to, to really tap into and capture all the wasted energy in a site. So if you're interested in that, <laughs> this is the area you should focus on in terms of learning more. So. Yeah. And I, and I would just add like on behalf of Minto, like we always want to share what we're doing, right? Yeah. Whether it's through case studies or through our annual uh, ESG report, um, I'm always willing to, you know, to have discussions and, and tour people through facilities, obviously once it's operational. Um, but that's part of, part of what we do as well. We want to share everything that we're learning with the industry because within sustainability and, and that sort of subset of the industry, um, everyone working together is a positive thing, yeah. right? Okay. So, uh, yeah, we, we went through, covered a, quite a bit here and, and a very complex topic. So is there any anything comes to mind, guys, final thoughts you want to share with folks? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll share one thing. It's not really district energy, but I'll just challenge the developers, the architects, the engineers, the policymakers that if you look backwards the last hundred years, how we've done things, that is not the way we're going to do it the next hundred years. So yeah. make sure you're ready to innovate and don't use the past as a prediction of the future. Uh, yeah, that, that's a huge one. And it's something else that, that we've learned through, through the process is people will often um, criticize or ridicule new methods or processes or technologies more than the business as usual. So I think everyone owes it to their business and, and their colleagues and everyone to, to be as critical on the business as usual, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can't keep using gas. Yeah. Um, so if you use that, that same sort of thought process on, on both ends of, of that uh, scenario, then I, I think it'll become pretty obvious what, what we need to do moving forward. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. It's been a great uh, discussion. Thanks. Thanks for having us.
Thanks for tuning in to the Members of the Chamber podcast by the Oakville Chamber of Commerce. Connect with hundreds of Oakville businesses and learn more about what we do at oakvillechamber.com.